0: Hi everyone, welcome back to SOD Talks. I'm Asno. And I'm Emma. And today we have a very special guest. We have Anna Rita, the chair of the School of Design. And we have a very interesting episode coming up uh, where we cover things like her educational background and her favorite things about design and being the chair of the School of Design. So here we go.
1: So I thought we'd start with uh, you telling the audience um, who you are what you do at the School of Design and who is Anna?
2: Okay, Um, it's a good question. It's a good place to start. Uh, I'm a Portuguese-born, Toronto-based academic, educator and administrator. Been at George Brown College since about 2015. Uh, I'm currently the chair for the School of Design, uh, overseeing 10 academic programs, soon to be 12 academic programs as of fall 2021. I get to work closely with about 135 faculty and staff and about 1400 students uh, year over year about 400 of whom are returning students every year which is quite lovely i hold a doctorate from the communication and culture program at ryerson university in toronto uh, where i created a shirk funded research creation project called me toronto and it's an augmented reality counter archive of toronto's historical urban environments uh, something that I'm really interested in is looking at how we can use archival content to tell a story about a place uh, and how we can go back and sort of revisit some of those memories and look at how we can make society a better place for everyone. I'm currently the principal investigator on a three-year NSERC uh, CCSIF project in partnership with Sunnybrook and we're creating a pre-operative uh, platform for those who are going in for surgery. I'm um, also a member of the House Programming Team. Uh, a bit inactive these days, but I worked really closely with the uh, Toronto-based Global Focus Think Center for Creatives, uh, looking at sort of creating opportunities beyond education for creatives. Um, as of a few weeks ago, I'm now the Vice President at the Archives, the world's largest independent LGBTQ2+ archive in the world. Uh, and Congratulations! Then I- <laughs> That's amazing. Congratulations. Um, on a personal level, uh, I'm a vinyl enthusiast and I really love carbs. So that's also. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Don't we all? <laughs> the best food group. Wow, um, that's quite an impressive rap sheet. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. It's It's been keeping me busy for the last little while. Um, I didn't tell you but I'm a Capricorn and uh, you probably could have figured it out just based on the list. I always like to have uh, a project on the go. I always like to do as much as I can. I find that kind of work really fulfilling and I'm not someone who can sit still for very long. So uh, I went to a cottage with my friends. Um, a little while ago and, uh, you know, the sort of mode and and uh, mood of the entire weekend was get it to chill. Uh, yeah, very difficult for me to not think about work and not think about projects and, uh, yeah, have a wandering mind.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's amazing. Um, I know that you've completed your undergraduate, your master's and your PhD. It's amazing. It's very impressive. Um Can you tell us a little bit about your decision? Or I guess you're saying you don't like to sit idly too, maybe for how you decided to pursue higher education so close together.
2: For sure. Um, When I was doing my undergrad, it was really clear to me that I wanted to do a master's. Uh, There was a program that I was already kind of interested in more or less by my third year of my undergrad, so the Mm -hmm. communication culture program at York and Ryerson. program I was really interested in. I knew a lot of the faculty that were teaching in that program and in my third year, uh, sorry my fourth year of my undergrad, I had done quite a bit of research on mobile media and sort of looking at how we were becoming more and less social at the same time as a result of uh, smartphones. So I thought maybe I'll do a master's to start studying some of these things. Uh, Truth be told, I really didn't know what I wanted to do after my undergrad and I found that doing the master's was a good way to sort of put off starting life or starting (laughs) it. Uh, which I think a lot of students have felt that same way, but I was interested in a lot of d- like different things. I was interested in media, I was interested in design, I was really interested in writing, and I didn't really know where I was gonna sort of fit into the world. Um, so I did the master's sort of as an opportunity for me to kind of try to figure that out a bit more. Simultaneously, I was working a job at TD.
0: Uh, mm-hmm. So I was on the
2: financial side of things, which I definitely knew I didn't want to continue to do. Uh, at the time, they had opened up a social media division, kind of dabbled into that and sort of figured out, is this a space from a corporate world that I wanted to see myself in? Uh, the answer to that was no. So about a year and a half after I finished my master's, thought about applying to the Ph.D. It was kind of something that I thought I would do later on in my career, maybe five years after finishing my master's. But uh to be honest, I didn't feel like there was anything else that was really driving me or fulfilling me. And I thought, why well, put this off? I might as well give it a shot. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I got in. So then I actually had to do the thing, uh, which is, you know, you kind of make the plans and you say, oh, you know, I'll I'll kind of leave it to fate and whatever happens, happens. And then when the thing happens, you're like, oh, no, I have to actually do this. Do it. <laughs> yeah. So I, I kind of went in still a little bit unsure because, uh, you know, obviously, I had talked to a lot of people that had done PhDs and everyone kind of said the same thing, which is like, it's really dark and lonely and like you're working really independently. Um, And I'm a person who like, I really like to work as a team. I really like kind of thrive in working on a team. So uh, it was tough, definitely. Um, You know, it was uh, uh, almost an eight year journey uh, for the PhD, which was difficult for sure. But along the way, I was fortunate enough to to find a lot of, career opportunities that I couldn't turn down, the the chairship being one of them. So uh, Mm -hmm. definitely um, I've I've had lots of conversations in the last two years with people that are like, I'm thinking about doing a PhD, will you talk to me? Um, (laughs) I'm sure that if you interview those people, they could tell you that I'm very frank uh, and forthcoming about what the experience has been like for me. And, you know, I think it's something that you really want to have to do and you want to have to do those things for the right reasons. So definitely happy that I did them um but I, I think along the way there were definitely some ebbs and flows that uh made me question: am I doing the right thing here what am yeah. I you're right so, yeah and
1: forever. I can't imagine it was easy to balance uh being the chair of the school of design and completing your PhD
2: mm-hmm. uh yeah it was it was tough um mostly because I I uh I think I'm also a person that sort of is riddled with a lot of guilt, and so I felt like if I had to focus a little bit more on one thing over the other, I was feeling really guilty that, you know, I wasn't able to give something my complete all. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm fortunate enough that, you know, across the school, I had a lot of really, really strong colleagues who uh, really supported me, especially over the last two years, so that I could get to that finish line. Um, so that was always really nice to have that.
1: Yeah, it's amazing. That's the school of design though. Everyone's just so supportive. That's the that's the main thing that drew me into George Brown. I like mm-hmm. was every all the faculty are so supportive and just encourage you along the whole way.
2: Yeah, yeah I, I think it's like it's it's really um it's a really good point. And I think it's something that, you know, I've I've taught at other schools, I've been part of other institutions, and I, I definitely agree, even just generally working with students, I, I find it so lovely that, you know, everyone's so complimentary and working on a couple projects right now with a, a different group, lots of different groups of students. And I, I'm always so marveled at how they complement each other on what they've been able to do. It's, it's really nice. There's really like a, a nice sense of community there. So I would definitely agree with yeah.
1: that. It's community, not like rivalry between students. Yeah. Like there's, I don't feel the need to like outdo my fellow peers or, mm-hmm. Cause I feel at other like art schools, it can be like very competitive and it doesn't feel like a community. It feels like you're trying to outdo each other. Yeah. Yeah. Look out for yourself, which George Mm -hmm. Brown is not like that. Everyone's just egging each other on like you can do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Which is, again, it's really nice to see. And again, I think that that's a really good practice, you know, that translates well into industry. Absolutely. You know, I think people see often other designers is their competitor I'm competing for this job with that person or you know that person's design is better than mine so I have to strive to do this thing next time and I think that um, kind of reorienting your mind away from that is really important but that's also obviously really difficult work but I would agree I think that there's a really solid community here just for general support and, and you know I think that's kind of the dream in design is you want to be able to to look to your peers uh, to help lift you up as opposed mm-hmm. to you know kind of just like knock things down I don't think that's that productive you
1: know, yeah though. not at all so what was your experience like coming out of your master's and trying to find a job yeah so
2: I um again I had worked uh, at TD for about uh, I want to say about three years by the time I was done my master's and I was kind of trying to figure out you know it was a good job uh, taught me a lot about managing personal finances but I wasn't fulfilled. Um, you're probably not surprised to hear that. Yeah. Uh, and it's, you know, it's no knock to people that are really, I think, uh, empowered by numbers and finances and how that world yeah. moves. But that just wasn't me. Uh, and so I was trying to kind of figure out where can I see myself fitting in. I was really focused on writing at the time. Um, so I had written for a uh, soccer magazine. I was kind of doing some editorial pieces as well. I was really interested in kind of using... Um, language, to to obviously sway narratives and and to sort of talk about things that I thought were really important. Um, but I was applying to basically jobs, everything ranging from PR. My my undergrad was in uh, professional writing and communication, so you know on paper uh, it meant a lot of different things. But the niche where I kind of saw myself going uh, was really in in this cusp between media and writing and maybe PR. Um, but again, I wasn't really that passionate about any of those things. And by the time I finished my master's, I kind of really felt like the place that I saw myself fitting in was really sort of in uh, academia. I really liked being in the classroom and sort of my experiences TAing at that point were really lovely. I liked being able to sort of come to a conclusion with a group of students together. Um, So that was a space that you know, I really, really loved being in and something that I wanted to continue to do. I was really interested in potentially teaching at uh, a college or a university. And so to me, that was kind of like always in the back of my mind. Um, But I was thinking a lot about where do I live, right? So like, where's my specialization that I can bring benefit into a classroom in? Um, So yeah, I I applied to a lot of different jobs. Um, At the time, there were like a lot of a lot of different companies that were sort of developing social media uh, teams, you know, we didn't really have those uh, in the pre 2010 era. So it was like really interesting to kind of come out and figure out, OK, I can use the communication skills and the, the sort of uh, style of writing that I'm comfortable with to reach a mass audience through social media. So that was something that, again, I was applying to jobs um, in that space. and yeah, by the time I kind of found where I wanted to be, I had found out that I'd gotten in for my PhD. And so I hadn't worked that much. I I really worked uh, a fairly corporate job that, again, really wasn't for me. And I was trying to kind of break out and figure out, okay, do I want to do, uh, you know, marketing or communications or something more in line with that. Uh, But I couldn't really see myself being that fulfilled in one of those roles, especially not like, especially knowing what I know now about myself and about the world of uh, of work that I'm doing, I think it would be really difficult
0: for me to have a job like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's really interesting. Um, can you tell us a little bit about your first position at George Brown and maybe what drew you to work for the school?
2: For sure. Yeah. Um, so it kind of happened by accident. I, I feel like I always <laughs> hear people talking about, Oh, I became a designer <laughs> by accident and I, <laughs> I became an administrator by accident as well. Um, when i was in my phd my second year of my phd uh no my third year second somewhere between second and third year i knew what project i wanted to work on i knew where my my research was going to lie and i had reached out to a colleague of mine who was teaching um in the interaction design program a friend of mine, and basically just said, "Hey, I'm looking for a couple of research assistants that you know know augmented reality and and some different platforms really well, and I'm kind of hoping to hire a few of them on with um, some money that I had gotten from a grant." And he said, "Oh, I'll connect you with the program coordinator." Um, so that coordinator's name is Ramon Delgado. He's still at the school. Uh, he teaches in the School of Media and Performing Arts and so I met with Ramon on a recommendation from a friend to try to figure out are there a couple students in the program that would like to be hired on for this project. Uh, he gave me a name of a couple students and at the end of our meeting he said, you know, would you be interested in teaching a class? There's a class that I think is really well aligned with your skill set uh, and your research and I was kind of really excited about that. I was already teaching at a university, but um, I was teaching at Ryerson at the time, but I hadn't yet taught at a college. and. Uh, to me, colleges are, are really where all the action happens because things seem, uh, not they seem, they're a bit slower to move at universities. Um, we have a lot more flexibility and power to make things happen a bit quicker at the college. And so I was really interested in that applied learning environment, right? And mm-hmm. being able to, to sort of work through a problem with the students and having them come up with tangible solutions that were more than just writing a paper or you know positioning a, a report. So I agreed to teach the class uh, I was kind of like a deer in the headlights because I was teaching in a uh, design program. Uh, I'm not a designer, uh, you know, I, I have backgrounds where my my skills sort of intersect with design, but I'm definitely not a designer. and so. I kind of felt a bit like an imposter, um, teaching students about things that, you know, they probably on some level knew how to wrap their mind around uh, better than I did. So I taught a class called Human Computer Interactions, which is basically exactly what it sounds like. Um, It's sort of the ways in which we as human participants engage with different interfaces and systems. Uh, It was a great class, we ended up, um, I had a really small uh, group of students, which I think saved me because it it allowed me an opportunity to get really conversational with them Mm -hmm. Uh, there were seven of them i think in total and we basically spent the four weeks working through big principles helping them sort of refine some of their uh work for their portfolios because they were in their third year and they were the sort of guinea pigs of the program they were the first um to go out but In any case, one of the things that I really loved was they gave me a lot of feedback on my teaching style. Um, We got a lot of uh, of sort of really good conversations in on on different learning methods, which was something that I'm still really interested in, like how we all learn very differently, how we sort of apply techniques that we've learned in different ways. So it was a really good opportunity. Uh, At the end of the year, I met with Ramon and, you know, he basically said, I have another class that's a little bit more focused on theory. Uh, would you like to teach it in September and I said yes and that was a media history class in the School of Media and Performing Arts uh, and basically from that class uh, we kind of just snowballed into hey I have another class do you want that I taught mm. another class in interaction fundamentals then I taught, taught a portfolio class nice. uh, and at that point I was kind of like you know getting really comfortable with the the model at the college I kind of knew the the sort of skills of the students I knew where I could meet the students at kind of thing. Um, And I felt like uh, I was feeling really good about, you know, being in the classroom with them. I was then offered uh, the role of program coordinator for the Media Foundation program as well. So that was a really good opportunity Uh for me to sort of flex some of my sort of more admin focused skills, look at organizing, look at a program structure uh, top down. So you're kind of looking at how everything fits together, uh, which I think is really important, obviously, because when you take one class, whether it's in, you know, typography or, or DG apps or, you know, human computer interaction, you're looking at how your class uh, and, and the deliverables for your class. But when you're coordinating a program, you're kind of looking at how everything fits together to make sure mm-hmm. that when a student completes the program, they feel good about what efforts they're going to put forward, whether that's more education or applying to jobs. So yeah. it's really nice for me to have that perspective. Um, At that point, I had reached out to the previous chair to just kind of say, hey, uh, I would love to have a conversation about what an admin role looks like, you know, as an associate dean, as a dean, as a chair, just to kind of figure out what the moving parts are. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I knew that I really wanted to continue to engage with students. And so for me, I kind of wanted to just see what that position looked like. Mm -hmm. So we met. Um uh that was with dr elise Hudson. elise and i had really good conversations generally about uh, what that role looked like and again how much of it is uh admin management etc and um and then a few months later uh after our meeting elise was going to take a sabbatical and i was approached by um dean luigi ferrara if i would want to take over for her for three months mm-hmm. um and I was I was on a really tight deadline with my dissertation. I was trying to finish it in a year. And so I was like, oh God, what do I do? I'm at a crossroads. I this was just like a role that I always wanted to have that I was yeah. really excited about building my career towards. And I thought it's a really good opportunity to figure out if this is for me or not and to know it really quickly. So I kind of put the dissertation on hold. Um, the three-month uh, contract turned into almost nine months of a contract. Um, And then I went away and and worked on my dissertation and Elise came back um, and then we switched again. I came back and and she left the college. So uh, things happened really quickly. Uh, Mm -hmm. I was really fortunate enough that a lot of things really aligned for me to be given um, the opportunities that I was. And again, I think for me, what what really kind of made me stick was I had such a good opportunity to work with students and faculty. And I I feel like to have an opportunity to impact change within curriculum. So that was definitely something to me that was like a big, big seller for, for really wanting to continue to pursue that, the role.
1: That's amazing how it just kind of came to you. If yeah. You you manifest that for long enough and be like, Oh, <laughs> <laughs> and
2: then it, it just comes. It is really interesting that you say that because I'm definitely, um, I, you know, I kind of, I think was someone that didn't really believe a lot in that. Um, but I definitely think that like you really have an opportunity to manifest the change you want. And, mm-hmm. and uh Yeah, I think if you, if you stay positive, if you look for things, if you know what you want, and you know more so what you don't want, things will happen. Of course, there's always hard work involved. But um, yeah,
1: yeah. there has to be action behind for it to to happen. You can't just manifest something and then hope and then do nothing. You know, there's got to be action. Yeah,
2: and I think I've been fortunate enough, too, that people kind of took a chance on me. Um, you know, I, I definitely, I don't have the longest career, for sure. I didn't have the most experience, but I think people, you know, saw some some skills in me that they thought would impact positive change. And uh, yeah, I feel really lucky to um, to have had those opportunities because I think, you know, they, they're few and far between. And so I feel really fortunate to have had them.
0: Yeah. And I know that you mentioned that you, like, you don't consider yourself a designer, but... I mean, the stuff that you made is amazing. And do you think that you've kind of had an interest in design before or it kind of snowballed or, like, grew because of your exposure here? Yeah. In
2: um, it's a good question. And, again, I think I'm, I'm really interested in design, uh, obviously, on, on many different levels. Um, I'm yeah, interested-
1: let me say, every time I... <laughs> am on a call with you. I am just memorized. I, I love your background, your, your <laughs> Me eye too. For interior design. I so, love it.
0: The amount of time Emma and I have talked about your apartment and your wall. It's it's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> it's
1: really oh. funny, like I think
2: also just the symptom of COVID, right? Because this was always just kind of my space. And I moved into this space about, uh, I'm going to say three or four years ago now. And you know, I never thought when I moved in here and I kind of curated the space and made the space feel like homey to me that eventually I was going to share it with a mass audience for year-end show, <laughs> you know, all of my uh, staff, <laughs> all of my faculty, and, you know, every student that I ever meet with, but it is kind of nice. And I think there's a level of like vulnerability that, you know, mm-hmm. you're in my space, I'm in your space, and we can kind of share that space together. Yeah. Um. But I'm always like, I've always been compelled by design. I've always been interested in design. You know, I've always been interested in fashion you know uh, a lot of these things i think have sort of touched on uh how i see the world for sure um but i will say that you know i think part of what i've been able to do or part of what's been important to me is like figuring out what trends are important, looking at, you know, are there, uh, what what software can I learn about, whether that's taking a con ed class or, you know, doing some online tutorials or, you know, I've asked people as well, can I audit your class? Like, I'm interested in motion graphics, can I come to your class and sit through it or whatever the case may be, right? So I think uh, kind of having that compelling space to to chase something and go after it and, and kind of figure out, hey, you know, where do I fit into this space? Um, I don't know that I remember what the original question is but again you know, like not definitely not, I don't consider myself a, a designer but I definitely operate within uh and and yeah. sort of in and around design right and I think that um if I'm being frank I do kind of think that that's a little bit of what the design world needs and I think we're seeing that more and more where lots of uh, you know designers are sort of cross-disciplinary or interdisciplinary designers they have backgrounds in anthropology and then yeah. you know, they become strategists. And I think that that's really important, especially for, you know, how we're going to see the world and how we're going to yeah. change uh, in the world.
1: Yeah, so even fun. in the classroom, like so many students, so many of um, our classmates, they come from so many different backgrounds and uh, like previous education and they've come to design uh, later in life. And the past experiences that they've had in their past education, it really influences what they're, they're able to do. And yeah. Mm-hmm. their skill set
2: it's um it's always interesting to me and and i find that like you typically get students especially at um at the college who same thing like they've, they've done an undergraduate in nursing or they went to school for yeah. business and then you know they realized while they were in business school that they really liked marketing and what they actually liked about marketing was the creative side so then mm-hmm. they come <laughs> so, happens really, really often. Yeah. Uh, and I think, it you know, again, a lot of us are making decisions or a lot of us have made decisions when we're like 18, 19 about the rest of our lives. And you know, that's really tough, like really, really tough. Yeah, yeah. Just You're kind of being swayed by your parents or your friends or someone else who's done a career that, you know, you see them making good money or, you know, you see them having like the summers off or something reliable mm-hmm. or their hours are good. So you're excited about what those possibilities look like. But I think Following that passion is obviously really, really important.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it's 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 horrible how young kids have to decide what they want to do for the rest of their life. Like yeah. I because you have to pick your courses for grade twelve in grade eleven. So you have to think a year in advance. And I think you're like seventeen, mm-hmm. maybe even sixteen, some people yeah. figuring yeah. out what you want to go. It's way too young.
2: Yeah, I oh I remember now what the question was. I'm there now, but like, you know, I think part of the the um I will say many times throughout my PhD, I was definitely like in tears and shambles, probably lying on this exact floor, being like, Why? Why? <laughs> Uh, And that like, this is fine, everything's burning around you meme was definitely happening. Um, But there were a lot of times where I thought to myself, uh, especially like right after my master's, I should go back to school uh, for graphic design. Like that was where a lot of my passion lied. I really liked, you know, visual communication. Um, And I kind of just picked the PhD because I had already done so much work in that space. And if I'm being frank, I was scared to start over. Um, Mm -hmm. I I don't necessarily regret it. And I think, you know. Like, I'm signed up for a couple typography continuing education courses this summer, and I'm going to continue to build that. Um, yeah. But in any case, you know, definitely, I, I think there's been lots of points in my life where I've been like, oh, I wonder if I should have done this or could have done that. And, you know, I, yes, graphic design was one of them, but also law school was one of them. And then I mm. you know, became friends with a lot of people who are lawyers, and they were like, yeah. don't do this. Don't do, that. Don't do this. <laughs> Listen to the folks around. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: So, what's your favorite thing about being the chair at the School of Design? What do you enjoy most about your position?
2: Um, I think you could probably already guess this based on what I've said, but definitely for me, it's it's working with students. Um, you know, I wish that I had more of an opportunity to do that. Um, so, you know, it's been a bit of a wild journey. Like, I took over the chairship in the fall of 2017. Uh, and then we had a six-week strike two weeks into my position. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, I mean, I spent basically <laughs> the first month of my uh, time as chair wondering if I caused the strike. Uh,
1: so <laughs> oh, like, no. Oh,
2: my God. Um, and, and I think it was tough because I had had the first two weeks where I was, like, you know, going into the classroom, meeting with the students, kind of connecting, going to meetings, etc. And then that all halted. And... I was trying to find ways to build rapport and community with faculty. And I think the morale was really low uh, and, and really just trying to find a place of, of sort of like shared responsibility and also shared community so that we can kind of build things up again, right? So, you know, it was a really, really tough year. Uh, the year after that, we moved to Daniels. So it was kind mm, of like yeah. finish the year, quick, 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 pack everything, move, do the year-end <laughs> show. Um, and then as you know, last year we had the pandemic. So it has been, uh, like, every year has had its own own challenge, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, and then this year, which is my fourth year as chair, we have had an entirely flipped model of of delivery where everything has been online, Mm -hmm. uh, which is obviously something that's very new for us. Um, so, you know, the, the thing that I miss is being able to work with students really closely. Everything takes a little longer online, um, but yeah, that opportunity to work on an exhibition with a student, to work on a research project with a student, to work on, you know, year-end show with students, I think is really nice. Uh, I get to work really closely with the students that work for the in-store as well, which is lovely. Um, you know, and then I have my program coordinators who are basically like my right hand and, you know, they really, really help everything be a smooth transition. So. You know, working with with students and working with faculty and coordinators to me is is really lovely. And that's the part of my job that uh, I absolutely love. Um, It's definitely something that has uh, has continued to motivate me in the role for sure.
0: Yeah. Would you also consider teaching a course at some point on something more focused or do you like being the chair and kind of looking at at everything overall? And generally. No, I'm
2: definitely interested in teaching again that's like kind of where my big passion lies is is for sure in teaching and, yeah. and I want to do more of uh, I probably would have been doing some of that last year had things not looked the way mm-hmm. that they did with the um the pandemic Lovato for lack of a better word.
1: <laughs> I like that
2: <laughs> I, I'll definitely I don't see myself hanging up the teaching hat for sure yeah. something that I'm sure that I'll get back into very soon
1: I don't know if we touched on this, but are there any projects that you've worked on throughout your career that you uh, consider your favorite? Uh, Oh,
2: I probably have a couple. Um, I mean, first and foremost, my dissertation project. And I think, you know, I don't know that I would call it my favorite in quotes, um, but definitely was the one that I've worked the hardest on and that uh, I think had the most blood, sweat and tears. It wasn't a solo project. I was fortunate enough to be joined by lots of folks who helped with the coding and generally gave me really good advice um you know again there's there's too many to name here but i take that as a sign of my good fortune um so that project was tough because i was looking at you know going into archives collecting images that then i would map onto public space uh, and you'd be able to see using augmented reality on your phone so for me that was a huge one uh, i got to like do a serious deep dive into lots of uh, different ethnic groups across the city uh, that's a space that I'm really interested in. You know, I I, uh, I think that we like have a really, really, uh, we're all really fortunate to live in Toronto and there's so much about Toronto that we don't know. Uh, I think that, again, you know, we do have some really dark history uh, across Canada. I think we're seeing a lot of these things coming uh, to light. You know, we've seen a lot of these things coming to light in the last mm-hmm. couple of years, especially just generally even over the last week with the 215. Um, but I do think that it's important to to sort of use um education use research to sort of impact change and so for me that project was an opportunity for us to say hey we don't all have to go into archives or libraries or museums to find out about the histories of the places around us we can bring those things to us with things that we use every single day so that was a project that uh, definitely is is really close to me um i also with the school was fortunate enough to oversee a lot of curriculum development for programs on an ongoing basis uh, in 2017, we worked on the Honours Bachelor of Brand Design, which, as you may know, launched this summer and won we'll yeah. in the fall. So uh, that's a project I've been really close to. And again, it's it's taken four years almost to get it going. Um, so super excited for that one. Um, year-end show, obviously, every year-end show is always yeah. like a, a huge and important one. I think this one Ah, uh, this past year has been my favorite. Sorry to say it to everyone else. Who worked on the show in the past. Um, but I think it was my favorite one because,, uh, you know, it was probably one of the biggest and most ambitious shows that we've ever done. Uh, we had lots of support and and I think lots of general engagement. So again, you know, uh, would have been great to be in person, but I think that we pivoted in a way that was, um, that was nice, so I always really love those. And again, I love them because I get to work closely with students, they get to sort of bring industry folks within uh, the school and and sort of work with students as well, which I think is always really nice. Um, Working on the house project was really lovely because I got to work with lots of different creatives, um, you know, including the creative director for the weekend, Lamar Taylor and his team. Uh, And again, just really focus on uh, particularly on on BIPOC youth and how we can support BIPOC creative so that's something that I think has also inspired me to continue to, to you know drive change forward at the school and to impact change for those that have been left behind and in, in many ways um, and then I worked on a, a design project last year uh, It was a series of calendars and all the funds went towards BIPOC um, student aid as well so that was really really great I had a lot of really yeah. support from that um, the calendars were sold at a uh, three month market and online. And, you know, it was generally uh, I thought I was going to maybe sell 20 of them. And then my apartment had, you know, like 150 of them and a lot to package and mail out, but yeah, definitely uh, one of my favorite projects for sure. Mm.
1: Those are amazing by the way. I, know, I love I those. All of them.
2: Yeah. Thanks so much. There's one of them behind me now. I guess you can't see it, but in any case, uh, it's the June special. So yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. Um, So, I know that you work very closely with students on special projects, and I know that you're very involved. So, what recurring mistakes do you see students make each year when it comes to thesis?
2: Oh, okay. Thesis is like a special beast. Um,
0: Yeah.
2: I think, uh, think, you know, generally what I notice is... um, A lot of students try to do too many things at once so they're Mm -hmm. like i'm gonna do this thing that's a 3d environment and then i'm gonna do some packaging and then i'm gonna create a brand book and then i'm gonna do an app and i'm like maybe you could just do like one or two of
1: those things
2: (laughs) so i find um you know trusting the process to be really Mm -hmm. important and i think oftentimes i talk to students in like october and i ask them hey what are you thinking for thesis and they say oh i'm going to create a you know a publication that does this and i always find it interesting that They've already figured out the deliverable, but they haven't done a lot of the research yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, you know, I think if you're strong as a print designer, you want to do editorial, you kind of know where your strengths lie, and that's what you want to do, and it makes sense. But I think, you know, trusting the process is good, allowing yourself to sort of be flexible and, and figuring out, okay, this is what I thought I wanted to do, but turns out this is the thing I'm actually really interested in or what mm-hmm. is showing me. Um, yeah, so I, I would say to me, it's definitely that, uh, you know, trusting the process. Uh, the other thing is, this is your project. So you're going to get a lot of feedback from people along the way. Um, you know, maybe sometimes too much feedback, because you might have a mentor, you might have a faculty member, you have your your uh, design research teacher, you have your thesis teacher. Uh, and in a perfect world, they're all telling you the exact same thing.
1: Yeah, <laughs> how the world works, right? Okay. no
2: opinion based on their own lived experiences or you know things that they've seen or trends that they think are important for you to follow um but i think at the end of the day it still is your project so you Mm -hmm. have to make some decisions about the direction of the project and where you want it to go and you know how you want to you know sort of push your time um the other thing that i think is really important to mention is time management you know i everybody says this and i feel like every single year the students all say the same thing where they're like yeah they told us to start and i (laughs) just didn't get motivated or you know I thought I had more time so uh, a lot of the process books from this year you can see the students sort of map out their the amount of hours spent on thesis and it's like Mm -hmm. week one 10 hours week two seven hours week three and then you go to like week 13 and it's like 66 (laughs) hours (laughs) oh my gosh many hours and I'm like okay I see and you know (laughs) I'm definitely that is kind of what my trajectory is. I do a lot of prep work, I do a lot of advanced work, and then I take a pause. And then at the end, I'm like, ramp it up, let's go. (laughs) But um, yeah, I think, you know, trying to manage things like time wise is definitely really important. So where you can, you have to kind of treat thesis almost like
0: it's your full time job. Yeah. Yeah, That's what that.
1: we've been here. We've heard that from three other people. Yeah, so
0: the same thing. <laughs> yeah. Just- yeah. So I think we're gonna be very like prepared about our time. Yeah. When yeah. In September. And but, I mean,
2: well- you know, just like track your your progress too. Like it's good yeah. to see. Like I'm definitely not a morning person. I do the bulk of my like productive work. I would say from like one until seven um maybe a little bit earlier but you kind of have to figure out what works for you and then of course you're always going to have competing things like other commitments jobs your family your partner uh you know and also like having a social life is very important because i think that also makes you a better designer but you know maybe that's uh that's a less discussed thing Mm
1: -hmm. yeah yeah making time for things other than work Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. And not, and I feel like, especially like the world that we live in now is everyone's just going, going, going yeah, and striving to get, get the job, uh, get that position. And they kind of put their life, like their personal life to on the back burner. For
2: Mm -hmm. sure. Yeah. And I think that's a thing that you see more and more. And, you know, uh, May was mental health month. I think we've had a huge like shift in how we perceive mental health. Mental health is general health, right? And so I think, I, I I always like try to caution students around you kind of have to listen to your body. I'm trying to remind myself of those same things. I think it's really important to figure out, hey, when something doesn't feel good and you need to take a break, if you don't take the break, your body will take it for you. So I think, yeah. you know, again, trying to be mindful that, you know, some things may take a little bit longer, building in some time for, for you know, downtime and not looking at your screen, not thinking about design, not reading about design, not looking at design for inspiration is really important. Yeah. Uh, and I know that sort of default for designers is like, oh, I'm reading this book about design. And I'm like, <laughs> maybe don't, maybe read something else. Yeah. So
0: yeah. Know. Yeah. No, I think that actually helps like when you're not focused on that stuff and then you come back with fresh eyes. For sure yeah and I,
2: I had a conversation actually a couple of years ago with um, a designer from Pentagram Georgia Lupi. and I asked her what inspires like your design mm-hmm. and I was really surprised to hear her say but she basically was like nothing that's related to design so she's like I look at old music books. I look at old science journals. I look at old visualizations. She's like, I don't look at what other designers are doing, not because it doesn't matter, but because that's what they're doing. That's not mm-hmm. what I'm doing. So I don't want to do the thing that they're doing. Um, and I think that's really important advice. Like oftentimes when you ask a designer what inspires you, they often name another designer, mm-hmm. uh, which I think is really interesting and, you know, not a bad thing for sure, but, um, you know, that's what that person does. Yeah. That's what Wiley does and Matt Wiley's great that's what Ellen Lupton does and Ellen Lupton's great you know like that's what Fidel Pena does and that's what Underline does and that's great but what are you going to do right and so I think it's good to be inspired by other people but definitely you know the world is kind of at your disposal now and I think COVID has also again kind of shifted how we see the world and and what we make time for so a lot of people I'm finding are getting really inspired by sustainability and really inspired by nature. And I think that that's a really beautiful thing. So to me, this, this sort of pivot around what what you value and what's important to you and how that fills into your, your, uh, your role as a designer, I think is really
0: critical. Mm-hmm. Definitely.
1: Do you think the sustainability topic and environmentally friendly topic is uh, overdone in thesis?
2: Oh, that's a tricky question. <laughs> um, it this way I think that we are at a stage where I think a lot of folks that are in your age category are very interested in this um, I was fortunate enough to attend the climate change uh, March last or I guess it would have been two years in September mm-hmm. yeah uh, Same and here. I'm, you know mm-hmm. so moved and motivated by how many people were there how many youth mm-hmm. were there um, and I think it's a really really important topic Honestly, probably one of the top three most important topics is for me around climate change, migration, affordability, you know, these kinds of like really, really difficult things. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think it's a topic that's overdone necessarily, but I think that oftentimes what we try to do is propose solutions that are very difficult. Uh, And so I think as a designer, you are not going to change the world for everybody but I think you have the power and the capacity to inspire that change. And so rather than making some amorphous project, what is a small thing that you can do to impact that change, right? So I think climate change is a huge issue. We need a lot of folks, a lot of different stakeholders, a lot of governments, a lot of agencies to take control in order for us to impact that change. But I think as a designer, understanding what you can do to make the world a better place and working from that and you know if that grows great but I do think you know try not to bite off more than you can chew Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah I I think you know to me it is really lovely every year that students are really inspired by the climate change uh, topic because I do think it's an issue that you know we all are going to be facing Um, and I think it's something that it hasn't gotten as much attention because you know as fast moving as it is it feels really slow so it's us to think about okay, yes, air quality and you know uh, water quality in 20 years. but what about right now, right? So what are some things we can do right now to impact that change later on? Um, and I think sometimes people get they get too wrapped in this idea of like I have to take all the plastics out of the ocean. okay yeah. well how, he's designed to do that right And so are you gonna communicate something about fishing rights? Are you going to communicate something about you know uh, uh, fast food companies using straws and you know alternatives to this? sure maybe but i think you kind of again you have to figure out where you fit yourself into this um into this problem and i you know my sort of chief piece of advice as well is like it's okay for you as a person to not care about climate change but do not pick it as a thesis topic if you're not absolutely passionate about it and that you mm-hmm. know every single topic you shouldn't pick a topic that you're not you know inspired by because it's going to be really tough and yeah. if you pick something that you hate By the time it's like, you know, March 10th, you're going to be like, why did I pick this? I want to. By that point, it's really, really challenging to start off. Yeah. Yeah. Pick something that you're inspired by. And, you know, I hope that everyone's inspired by deep social issues, but some people won't um, be. And and that's okay, too. But, you know, I think it's important to stick to something that you're really passionate about.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah
1: yeah that's what that's what we've been hearing from others too it's it needs to be a passion project it needs to have um
2: like the the best thing to do is reach out to those students like you know if you go on the year-end show website and you hit contact on anyone's profile it'll give you likely their personal email send them an email say how'd you pick your topic did you have multiple topics you picked from you know spend the summer trying to brainstorm you know five things you're interested in and then look at what other work has been done in this space how you can research this what kind of research you'd want to do to inspire it and that by that way, by the time you get into, you know, week one of design research, you're kind of already gearing to go with with Doug and Hannah to figure out, okay, what is the topic that I really want um, to focus on? And, you know, if you find yourself getting pulled to something, I think it's it's really interesting to to Mm -hmm. follow that, you know, like we had such a wide range of topics. Like I'm thinking about um, Brandon Irving's project on memorabilia and, and Mm -hmm. Andy Savarillo's project on, uh, on the the televangelists and like, you know, very different topics, totally different topics. And, you know, again, I think a lot of people pick these sort of social issues that are very important, but they have to be really important to you for you to pursue them. Yeah,
1: definitely. Sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I just want to take a moment and appreciate the beauty of the, end of year show. It was amazing. Just all the, the efforts that went in from faculty and students, it was, it was beautiful and it was amazing to listen to the, the people speak. And at the end of your award ceremony, I was just like, tearing up a little bit I was just like so proud of everyone and I was just like we did it like everyone made it and it was it was very emotional for me um but what do you look forward to um when it comes to the end of the year show each year
2: um so I will say I'll start by saying that I was also it was a very emotional week for me uh like I cried a lot um (laughs) I think crying is a very important thing Mm-hmm. Uh, not just for designers, for everybody, but in any case, Definitely. I think everyone that worked on the show could probably attest to how much I, I really was very emotional. I was super proud of the team. It was like super inspiring. Uh, again, an inspiring week, just like with lots of different designers that were local and global. And, uh, and you know, I think an opportunity for a lot of students to, to share their work in a year that was really, really, really challenging. Yeah. Uh, So for me, again, like in an answer you've already heard, the thing that I love about the year-end show is getting to work with students. Again, because I'm not in the classroom, you -hmm. know, on a day-to-day basis with students, I don't get that one-on-one touch point. Um, So when, you know, we kind of do a call for students that might be interested in contributing or volunteering, uh, it's always lovely to meet new students, to hear about their programs, to hear about why they want to get involved with the year-end show. Um, So again, this was my fourth one. Uh, It was the biggest one. We tried lots of new things. Some things we'll probably try to replicate next year. Hopefully next year we'll be in person. Um, But you know, some things that I think worked really well was having the opportunity, you know, to kind of video conference in lots of people who you might not have had an opportunity to talk to otherwise. So that was really great. Um, And again, I think the thing that really energized me was when I reached out to students and said, okay, what do you folks envision for a year-end show that might be entirely online? You know no one really moped about it everyone was kind of like okay yeah if it is online here's what we should do we should have portfolio reviews or should do this we should do thesis pitches or you should you know focus on bipoc voices and it was kind of just like a really smooth transition it was a lot of work but again that opportunity to look at a group of students and say okay this is your show i'm here at your service what can i do to make your show uh, a success and what is important for you to have so again creating opportunities for industry liaising, creating opportunities to showcase portfolios, to do thesis pitches, to review. Um, That was important to the students. And I think that, again, my role is to sort of help facilitate as much of this stuff as I can. Obviously, when we're in person and we're in the building, we do quite a bit around exhibition design. You know, um, there's a little bit more around wayfinding. You kind of structure out uh, what the building looks like. So you might have all the thesis students together, you know, in five rooms back to back. Um, the interaction design students may be in a gallery so that they can showcase 3D work and that kind of thing. So yeah. to me, it's really, you know, it's it's an opportunity to get to work with a team and to see all of the work of the students. Right. Like that's the the point where you could just spend hours on the website or hours walking around the exhibition. And, and I think the thing that I like the most uh, is learning about the process. So, you know, this year we did some printed invites for industry, um, working with students on those it was really lovely getting to, to you know have a student go into a printing house to see what the print production process is like mm-hmm. I think again creating those opportunities for a student to mm-hmm. to work with different vendors and stakeholders to understand here's how you put on a massive show uh, and again you know like some things inadvertently go wrong and you have to kind of pivot right like we had the year-end show video that wouldn't render it was a 23-hour render that my small computer was like he oh did almost a fire extinguisher for you know so <laughs> you have to accept that some things are like here's the plan and sometimes the plan goes yeah. by yeah <laughs>
1: so you
2: got to be comfortable um with that and i th- i think that uh students are really well equipped for that like i think especially this year, it was like everything that was a roadblock, it was like, okay, we're going to spend five minutes being like bummed that it's the roadblock. And then we're going to move on because we don't have more time. And I find that that resiliency in students is really, really strong right now. So for me, it's, it's, uh, I think I learned more about like generally like life <laughs> then, <laughs> then the students probably learned about you know designing and and print and and putting on an exhibition it was like a really rewarding uh and eye-opening experience for me
1: for sure just this past year like for students our whole like going back on the resilience topic like our whole school year hasn't been what we thought it was going to be
0: yeah
1: hmm this whole having to adapt to getting an education in not the way that we pictured it or not the way that we've always looked at um in the movies (laughs) the college experience yeah um but yeah I think that will definitely come back and help us a lot throughout life and having to adapt
2: for sure and I mean like you know and this isn't this isn't a knock to business students so I hope that if there's any business students (laughs) not going to be offended that I've said this, but uh, like design school feels very different than when you go to school for business. And there is, again, this like culture and community where you stick around, you pin your work up, you develop these like groups of students that you work on, you might develop a side business with somebody, you know, like, you've got you start a podcast, like the business students aren't doing this. Guys. So mm-hmm. like, you know, I guess it's something that's like, definitely important to look at and, and and to see that, you know, there is a deep sense of community here and not being on campus. I think you know, as much as we want to stay positive about, yeah, we're going to keep pushing on and we're going to be resilient. There is, you know, I think we're all excited to go back to campus. We're all excited to to be in a space together. We're all excited to be able to, you know, look over at the person beside you's computer and say, wow, that's really great. Yeah. I'm going to go off and do my thing now, right? And I think mm-hmm. that that connection piece is, is missing for a lot of people. So I think, you know, anything that we can do to foster that and to bolster that, knowing that we're going into a fall that, is going to be remote again. And then, you know, we're all kind of crossing our fingers that by winter we'll be back uh, in the space together. I think that that's uh that's a tough space to be in, but I, I do think mm-hmm. that, you know, no one anticipated this. I certainly when the pandemic started, you know, I didn't really bring anything home. Like I was kind of thinking yeah. it's just a couple weeks until, yeah. the, you know, L- virus passes. Literally
1: I the day before you guys like sent out the email and was like, um, we're going to do like two uh, a week online yeah. or something Asna came to school and we we're sitting before class and she was like Emma, i'm so stressed like this thing's gonna blow up and she's just like freaking out and i'm like asna shut up like you're stressing me out you're overthinking things like this is gonna you you need this right now yeah <laughs> like stop stressing yourself out and then literally the next day it's like oh we're closing <laughs> campus I know. Yeah, I definitely, um,
2: you know, we had, you folks had, uh, had left, I think on the Friday and then on the Monday we were still on campus. Like admin was on campus and I had said to my ops manager, maybe we should alternate days coming in. He <laughs> said, yeah, maybe it's a good that idea. I said, well, I'll come in tomorrow and then you come in on Wednesday. And then I got home and my boss called me, uh, the Dean called me and said, uh, do you have stuff here? And I was like, yeah. Like I left my computer on campus. <laughs> you better come get it and i was like oh no so but you know even the whole time i was, like saying bye to people and i was like i'll see you in a couple weeks yeah. I'm sure. and it's weird and i can tell you that i've been going into the building um not on a regular basis but semi-regular just to pick up things and and uh, you know get the mail and and sometimes people are coming in to pick up books and uh you know a computer monitor or something that they may need and it's sad. It feels yeah, like, like a really I sad bet. space. And, you know, I, I will say that, uh, yeah, it's a beautiful building. It has lots of great features. But, you know, the best feature of the building is you folks. And so when you're not there, it's real sad. It's really, yeah. really sad. Um, so I'm I'm definitely looking uh, forward to going back and, and taking that space over for sure
1: in the shame of a brand new campus yeah. <laughs> just know, sitting there all alone
0: yeah I
2: know. we didn't even get to celebrate our you know our, our one year anniversary in this space sadly mm-hmm.
0: yeah but we'll be back one day
2: exactly yeah
0: um so given that you work with a lot of designers and students on a daily basis over your experience for the past few years. Uh, In your opinion, what do you think are a few of the most important qualities that a good designer should possess?
2: Um, The first one for me is definitely being curious. Mm -hmm. I think that you can always tell when someone's not curious. Uh, (laughs) And what I mean by that is, you know, allow yourself not to be so rigid. So, you know, kind of go where things take you. Again, don't, don't have such a, a, a strict perspective on what you're looking at. Um, Ask yourself why things look the way that they do, question them, you know? I think a lot of designers are really good at looking at something and saying, why would they choose this typeface? And, you know, I encourage <laughs> you to do that with lots of different things. Why did they choose this logo? Why would they choose this location? Why would they choose these colors? Why would they choose this kind of language to talk about this thing? Mm-hmm. Um, And not questioning the choices everyone's making but allow yourself to be curious in that space Mm -hmm. and i think that that's a really good space to be inspired as well you know like when you're out for a walk and you see something documented you you know might not be of service to you later but later on when you go uh, like in the moment but later on when you go back and you look at things It can be really inspiring so i think maintaining that open sense of curiosity is is for me a really big skill that um that every designer should have and you know i think it helps you not lose sight of why you do the work that you do so to me it's definitely that um and that flexibility piece is really important i think changing your mind is is really important um being flexible enough to say hey here's how i feel today uh and maybe a month from now you feel very differently and and that's okay uh flexible enough that you know maybe not everything is going to go according to plan uh so having something to fall back on and not being so tied to what the outcome is going to look like i think is important yeah uh, and then being persistent you know i think that we're in a world where uh COVID rocked a lot of things last year i think people are finding their footing again now which is really inspiring i'm seeing a lot of work coming back i'm getting a lot of emails from uh, studios and agencies that are looking for juniors and are looking for work, which again is really great and I think that ability to persist and be persistent is um, is something that we should all have. And, you know, I think most people would probably also um, really welcome being a good storyteller and that one, you know, it takes as much practice as, as you know, honing in your your technical design skills. So if you're good at Photoshop, you're good at Illustrator, you're good at InDesign, are you a good storyteller? And yeah. to me that that means, you know, being able to to tell a good story, to, to, to understand that when you create a poster, you're not just creating a poster, you're telling a story about something, right? And so having an, and honing those skills and fostering those skills, I think is really important. Yeah, definitely.
1: I agree, I agree yep. too. <laughs> what advice would you give graduates that are trying to find a job after um, their third year? Or?
2: Yeah, um, I think it's multi-level so for me it's figuring out the work that you definitely don't want to do Um, and the reason i say that is i think a lot of students leave the college and you know leave university and they think i want to be a designer and then they go work at a studio and they're like i don't know if i want to be a designer and i think not necessarily shifting your mind because you've had a bad experience um, but again, I think you know, kind of figuring out where you see yourself fitting. If you're really interested in UX/UI, but you only took that one sort of interaction class, you know, upskill. Take a couple extra classes. Take a coned class. Uh, you know, read some books. Do your own research. Figure out what you can do to get yourself in the space that you want to see yourself in. Um, I also always encourage students to do this, and I feel like they're always so intimidated by it. But you know, email people that you like. Inspire your work. Email other agencies and studios, ask a creative director to have coffee with you. You'd be surprised how often Students think they can't do this. You absolutely can. Uh, and again, like if they don't respond to you or they say no, you're in the same place that you were prior to asking. So there's no mm-hmm. harm uh, in asking. And I, I really encourage people. People are really, really passionate about helping students. So nine out of 10 times, if you ask someone and you say, hey, I'm a student, I'm hoping that I could do a portfolio review uh, with you. I really respect your work. I really respect the work that the studio does. I would love to hear more about it. Or some advice that you have. Nine out of ten times, people are going to say yes to you. Um, so, you know, again, I would encourage people to build your network, reach out to people, do portfolio reviews. Portfolio reviews are so, so, so important. Mm-hmm. They're important to help evolve you as a designer, and also important to like be top of mind. So, just because you do a portfolio review with someone, doesn't mean they're going to hire you. But, you know, maybe two weeks from now, someone emails that person and says, do you know a junior that has skills in editorial? And if they've just done a portfolio review and they liked you and they found you charismatic and, you know, you're a professional, they might mm-hmm. recognize you. So it's a good space to be And I know that sometimes that's tough for a lot of students, but I would definitely say build your network, reach out to people. Um, you know, I know there's a lot of people that give advice. That's like, don't say no to any job. Um, someone who spent a long time doing that, I don't recommend that advice, <laughs> yeah. they, you know, you have to figure out your financial situation and your own circumstances, but definitely to me, you should do the work that you're passionate about. Uh, I think a lot of people figure that out very quickly that, you know, they're not, they're doing something that doesn't inspire them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to me, that can also be really good fuel to find the work that you're interested in. So I would cold email a lot of people. Um, yeah. <laughs> if you could do a studio visit ask them if they have some advice and you know nine out of ten times again people will be really keen to respond to you and and to give you some feedback Um, and, and you know I think like I tell this to people all of the time if you find something that you're not necessarily interested in but you know it's a package design or you know an industrial design position you have a friend who might be interested send it to them they'll eventually send things to you too and I think again building that community on an ongoing basis is really important so Mm
1: -hmm.
2: for me it's like look for the jobs that you're interested in if you get to an interview stage and for whatever reason you don't get a job ask them for feedback uh oftentimes they're really like you know keen to give people that feedback I think Mm -hmm. that gives you an opportunity to to practice and to figure out you know what you can do better for next time Mm -hmm. um but yeah I think you know kind of figure out where you want to see yourself and then keep pushing on and again look at the work that other studios and agencies are doing that you like and and reach out to them there's no harm you know you can talk to juniors too to see what the culture at those places is like i really encourage people that sometimes oh i really want to work here and then you know they hear some horror stories and they're like yeah but i still really want to work (laughs) (laughs) oh i don't want to work here so you know trust other people who are in the same situations that you are um and, you know, I, I, there was a piece of advice that was given in one of the panels for YES uh, around applying to jobs and looking for jobs. Uh, Rami Shuk, who was a graphic design graduate, worked for in-store last year, uh, he won second place, best thesis, and he had a really hard time finding a job. And he said this in the panel and he said, you know. You have to understand that it's not about your worth. It doesn't mean you're not a good designer. It doesn't mean that, you know, you're not hireable or you're not worthy of that job. It just means that some things are harder to come by. Uh, again, last year was a really tough year. We're seeing things bounce back, but you know, don't take not finding the job or not landing the job, you know, by June 1st as a sign of your worth or or what you're capable of as a designer. Some things just take more time. So, yeah.
1: it's a job finding a job. Yeah,
2: it is a full-time yeah. job finding yeah. it out. yeah You're absolutely right you really got to be on it mm-hmm.
0: yeah. yeah we need to get That's on that amazing. next year we, <laughs> we do we need That's to
1: Yeah, you know you get
2: through all of the other exciting things first and that yeah. will you'll have lots of time for that part to come for sure yeah,
1: yeah. I definitely want to reach out to some um people at studios in Toronto for the podcast yeah I feel like that would be a really awesome opportunity yeah Mm -hmm. I'm happy to recommend some folks as well amazing yes yeah yeah we're actually we're trying to get Remy on too Mm -hmm. so yeah he's he's got (laughs) lots of good advice Remy if you're listening answer our (laughs) email you should join this is so
2: much fun you should definitely be part of this
1: yeah Mm -hmm. we'll corral amazing well thank you so much for taking time out of your day to talk with us it's it's yeah. been a pleasure no
2: absolutely thank you for having me I think uh you know I really love the work that you folks are doing I think it's really inspiring I think it's nice to to have something to listen to and and I'm glad that it's back and uh you know I will send this out to all of the incoming students as well so that Yay. They can, uh, you know what's on the radar and the good work that you folks are doing so thank you for uh, for taking time out of your very busy schedules uh, as well
0: Thank you for listening.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's amazing.
0: All right, guys. So that was our episode with Anna Rita. We learned a lot and we hope you enjoyed. Make sure to check us out at SOD Talks on Instagram to be updated on what episodes we have and what guests we have coming up.
1: Mm -hmm. All right. And we have made a schedule. We are releasing the second Monday of each month. So Mm -hmm. mark it on your calendars. Tell your friends. We're going to be here for you on Mondays.
0: All right, guys. See you next time. See ya. Bye. Bye.